Good evening and welcome to Slam the Gavel, the show that tells it all regarding family court, other court issues, as well as CPS. I'm your host, Marianne Petrie. There are patriots against CPS corruption. They invite you to t- attend their march for Texas children. DFPS has failed the families of Texas. The Texas Special Committee on DFPS has also failed to hear parents. It's time to make our voices heard and surround yourself with those who are on the same mission as you. This will take place September 21st, 2022, starting at 1 p.m. at 701 West 51st. Uh, Street, Austin, Texas, 78751. Now, I have a new guest. I have County Attorney Matthew Mills on from Granbury, Texas. Matt was born in Dallas and grew up on Dallas-Fort Worth area. He got a bachelor's degree at the University of Pittsburgh, a master's degree at Baylor, another master's degree at TCU, and a law degree from Texas A&M. He and his wife, Dina, have three children, and they live in Granbury, Texas. After working in private law practice for about nine years, Matt became Hood County Attorney on January 1st, 2017. He's currently in his second term as County Attorney after winning re-election in 2020. His office prosecutes misdemeanors, handles protective orders and mental commitments, and advises commissioners' court, among other duties. And I welcome you to Slam the Gavel, Matt. How are you doing? Great. Good to be on. Thank you for having me. I'm glad to have you on. You know, how did you decide you wanted to be an attorney? (laughs) Um, Honestly, it wasn't like my lifelong goal uh, growing up. And I didn't go straight into law school. As you can tell from reading off the resume, I was about 30 when I got started uh, in law school. But it really, it was just, I wanted to work locally and be able to kind of be my own boss and not have to commute to Fort Worth or whatever. And so it just seemed like that was a reasonable way to go at that time. Mm-hmm. You know, is, do you have any advice for anyone thinking about going into law school? <laughs> well, uh, if you're going to do it, don't don't mess around. Just do it while you're young and uh, go, go straight into it. Uh, and uh really that's that's about it i just shouldn't have waited i went got a master's degree and then another one and i should have just gone straight into law school if i was ever going to do it um and and also you know intern with different law offices and places like that if you can in the summer to get some experience which i didn't have that either so i was really starting off even though i had a, a law degree and a law license i started off kind of as an idiot I didn't know where to file cases or how to do anything in court so uh, I would advise people really to to intern or, or go someplace to work and get some experience oh definitely now your office prosecutes uh, misdemeanors and um, these mental commitments you know in the state of Texas what is that what is a mental commitment yeah so uh, Mental commitments, basically, if you're a a threat of of harm to yourself is the biggest uh, threshold there. And so people uh, having these manic episodes or things like that, and uh, they can temporarily uh, be detained in a mental facility uh, if they're an extreme threat to themselves. And then hopefully they can get some counseling or treatment and be released soon. 
And so usually they just kind of funnel in and out uh, of the system. And I personally don't really do any mental commitments, but my office does. It's just one of the things I have to give to an assistant. So I don't know it as well as some of the areas I personally cover. Mm -hmm. Okay. Um, You know, you got some flack in 2020 about these mask mandates. Uh, what, what, What happened there? Yeah. So the governor of Texas kind of transitioned from more heavy lockdown. You can't go to church or you can't open your business. And then uh, in his benevolence, four months after the first lockdown, it was like, okay, now you can more or less open your business, but now you got to wear a a mask everywhere. And uh, the, the order was, was very vague. Uh, Like for instance, it didn't apply to people who had certain medical conditions. Well, I personally have asthma. I have an inhaler that's prescription. Uh, does that, I mean, am I exempt from that? Or does some officer who comes up to me, do they need my papers from my prescription? I mean, how are they gonna make those assessments on the fly? So I had some concerns about that as well as just for all these states and, and governors that are just making stuff up on the fly. I mean, with no real legislature meeting, there's no process to it. It's just the governor rolls out of bed one day and says, yeah, I think I'm going to do this. And, you know, you're infringing on constitutional rights and just fundamental freedoms. And I basically just said, no, I'm not going to enforce the mask mandates, just like I did with the lockdown mandates. Well, a lot of the states, as you know, we all know, have suffered um, uh, tremendous financial losses of their own businesses, mom and pop shops. Right. You know, I'm, you know, what have you experienced and saw during this time? (laughs) Yeah, uh, we see, especially during the, the real peak of the lockdowns, you could go to Walmart or Home Depot and it's just swarming with people because they've locked down. So for instance, uh, in Texas, if you have a specialty shop that sells sporting goods equipment, well, that's deemed non-essential, but you can buy sporting goods equipment at Walmart because they sell groceries and other stuff. And so Walmart's just raking in giant profits while your local mom and pop sporting goods shop might be shut down. And it was like that across the board. And so you see tons of people just going out of business or laying off people and just suffering greatly while the fat cats got richer. So Amazon, of course, made huge profits. All the billionaires got richer uh, while the the poor people suffered. Mm -hmm. We were talking earlier about the uh, poor lady that ran the uh, beauty salon that uh, she went to jail for a couple days or so because she wouldn't close down. Right. Yeah. Uh, so that was uh, Shelley Luther in Dallas. And being that that was in Dallas, it got a lot more notoriety than what was going on here in Granbury, a, a much smaller town. But we had the exact same thing with the local gym owner who just said, look, I've shut my gym down. I'm, I'm going to open it up. You, you remember it was supposed to be two weeks to flatten the curve. Well, then six weeks go by and eight weeks go by. and We're still supposed to shut down. And he just said, look, I'm opening my gym. And I said to the newspaper locally and to other officials, I said, I'm not going to prosecute this gym owner or anybody else who wants to go to work and earn a living. Uh, And 
they, the judge here appointed a special prosecutor to prosecute the gym owner or any other violators. And while that was being fought at the court of appeals level, because I, I filed what we call a petition for writ of mandamus to be able to be the one in charge of prosecuting misdemeanors or not. Uh, while all that was going on, Shelley Luther in Dallas got thrown in jail for opening the salon. And then the governor immediately reversed course in Texas and said, oh, no, just kidding. You don't actually have to go to jail for uh, violating these orders. And then he said, this is just a ticket only. And when he reversed himself, then Granberry just said, we're not prosecuting. Uh, we're not going to arrest this guy or charge this guy. And so the gym was open and they were not harassed anymore by law enforcement. And so they kind of had their victory. And uh, I came out of it pretty good at that point. Uh, but it was pretty stressful at the time when people are calling for my job because I said I wasn't going to prosecute uh, lockdown violators. Mm -hmm. So it, did you feel harassed that they were calling for your job and they wanted you out of there? Well, sure. Yeah. I mean, it was very, very uh, hot at the moment. And they were saying that I had even... You know, I don't know if the word is conspired, but I had helped assist or encourage the gym owner. And so theoretically under what we call law of parties, I mean, if you aid or assist somebody in committing a crime, then you can be charged with it too, right? And so they're saying, well, if you encourage this guy to open his gym, then we're, we're gonna go after you too, is what some people were saying. So yeah, I mean, there was considerable amount of heat and, and everybody uh, was, fired up on both sides of it and now looking back it's it's almost silly that we were telling people for months and months and months that they should just starve to death more or less while the fat cats get richer and and they sure did um and it's like uh you know you want people to just do their job but you know you're trying to bring justice forth right. you know it, Right. It's like it's like you can't have right, and so you think about yeah, and you think about you know a primary oath to support the Constitution. Well, if the Constitution says that you have a right to peaceably assemble, you have a right to worship, you have a right to you know basic property rights, and so on. How can I prosecute somebody for going to church, which happened? in various places churches were prosecuted pastors were thrown in jail even uh, how can i prosecute that when these are just core constitutional provisions that i mean back then they had all kinds of things like smallpox and other diseases and yet they still had these core protections and so why would that not apply now mm -hmm. yeah it, that was just a crazy time and i'm sure your office was extremely busy <clears throat> yeah 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 we would get just calls and emails from both sides either cheering me or cussing me either one yeah <laughs> did did anyone bother you at your home no no fortunately i didn't have any any trouble at home oh well that's good that's good so you yeah. know like um you know, being in office and now this is your second term, do you feel like you want to get right. out the next time or stay in or, you know, with everything <laughs> you've been through? <laughs> well, 
you know, now, well, now that things have settled down and now a, a lot of the people uh, are kind of distancing themselves, the, the people who were siding with the tyrants two years ago are kind of wanting to forget that they were on that side now, seeing how things have turned out in the long run and seeing tons of data out there that the lockdowns didn't save any lives, but instead they just caused a lot of upheaval and destruction and, you know, that, that led to the federal government saying, oh, well, this is a good excuse to print trillions of dollars and now we have inflation and unemployment and all these other problems in this recession. So not many people are cheering what happened two years ago in the lockdowns anymore and especially of course, um, in Hood County, everything is in, decided in the Republican primary. So within the Republican primary, I, I, there's not really much support for that uh, view anymore uh, two years later. Mm -hmm. You know, um, a lot of people, you know, they just feel there is no justice at all in this these court systems. Um, you know, judges aren't um, holding people right. accountable. And, you know, I, I don't know how you feel about that. I mean, I don't know why they're not holding people accountable. Right. Well, uh, one of our charges under Texas law, it actually says that the job of a prosecutor is not just to see convictions, but to see that justice is done. So uh, sometimes that means prosecuting it to the fullest and sometimes that means dismissing it or pleading it down or whatever based on what is fair and just and of course everybody has their own opinion of what that means uh, but locally i think we we in just in our community we generally try to get it right and the judges are reasonable but yeah you definitely hear horror stories about cps or various different courts that that I fortunately don't have to deal with that much, and I'm glad I don't. <laughs> right, right. Um, you know, there's, uh, it seems like more people are speaking out and coming out talking about the horrors of CPS. Do you have like a lot of calls coming into your office with people mm -hmm. telling you their horror stories? Uh, not really, because our office doesn't do CPS work, but yeah, I'll give you a quick story of something that just happened locally. This was a couple of years ago. So we had this woman who was a witness in a criminal case that we prosecuted. And just because she knew me, she sent me a message on Facebook and said, um, I, I have a, a visit arranged to see my kids, like a supervised visit with the CPS office. I want to go see my kids. And she said, but I think I may have a warrant. Can you check on that? And so I looked it up and she did have a warrant. And I thought, well, now what do I tell her? Um, so I, I called CPS and I, the, there was whoever I spoke to assured me that they were not going to uh, pursue a warrant or anything else. And so I relayed that to the woman. Hey, just go do your visit with the kids. Uh, don't worry about the warrant. Well, the person I spoke to relayed that to somebody else at CPS and somebody else at CPS called the cops and the cops show up and they haul her off to jail when she shows up to see her kids. And it was like an unpaid traffic ticket kind of, I mean, it wasn't a major deal, but um, then she calls me or hollers at me after she gets out of jail thinking that I was the one that, you know, 
tricked her basically and, and you know lured her into getting arrested at the CPS office and it was just the opposite and so I called CPS back after the fact and I said hey what's going on and the attitude was just they could not have cared any less like well she had a warrant it's her problem what do you do like and I, I was really ticked off and I just I'm glad that our office doesn't have to deal with with those situations all the time I mean, that's just mm. one minor example but it just doesn't reflect well on the system right 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 you know because you know there's you know there's really good attorneys and there's really bad attorneys you know and right. you know do you have any advice on if you're going to pick one <laughs> and you're in the either you know family court you know system you know, what should you right. do? Should you look at their, their five-star rating or, you know, I don't know. Yeah. I mean, that's part of it is just reading reviews. Just like sometimes if I'm going to buy a book or whatever online I, or book a hotel somewhere, yeah, I read the reviews just like most everybody else these days. So you can do that, but yeah, I'd be definitely to, to do as much research. I mean, it, it's interesting. Um, on another note, when, because I had never hired anybody before, uh, before having this business, I hadn't really been in that uh, practice and, and having hired people and, I, and it doesn't work out and you're just like almost stuck with this person, you're thinking, oh my gosh, if I would have just called some references or done more homework. And, and so the gist of it is, I mean, there's not anything such as too much homework, too much background study when you're hiring somebody and that's whether it's an employee or if it's a lawyer in a case that's going to determine whether you get your kids or not. Uh, you, there, there's no such thing as, as making too many phone calls or too much research beforehand. Mm -hmm. Well, you know, I mean, I always tell parents, you know, like if, when, when they do have an attorney, they'll email the lawyer and they won't hear back. And I always tell them, call the office, set up a phone conference. That way you will be able to talk to this attorney. It's the only way to talk to him. Right. Yeah. I mean, just, and sometimes some of them will give you their cell phone number. Some won't. I can understand both ways, but uh, I did everything when I was in private practice on my cell phone pretty much. So everybody had my number. Uh, but yeah, I talked to other clients. I would definitely talk to other clients and just get a sense of what this person is like to deal with, for sure. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Well, when you gave out your cell phone number, were you getting too many texts? Were people texting you? Uh, well, I don't mind texts. You know, I sometimes that's easier, really, because you can answer it at, at your leisure instead of immediately. Um, and, you know, when you get... Because when I when my cell phone was my my lifeline for business, I had to answer every single unknown number, right? And so half the time it's just some salesman spam call, right? Um, now uh, if I don't have to use my cell phone as a lifeline, I don't have to answer every single time. I can just listen to the voicemail and call back mm -hmm. if it's something relevant. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's I, I would think being an attorney would be highly stressful. You know, how do you deal with the stress? Um, I, I'm not, I don't really feel like there's a lot of stress. Um, 
I'll tell you a quick story. It's a, there was a golfer. Uh, have you heard of Lee Trevino? He was a famous mm-hmm. professional golfer back in the day. But anyway, he, he grew up kind of as a poor uh, Hispanic guy in the Dallas-Fort Worth area. And he was making his living early on uh, on the golf course, but gambling. And when he later became a, a professional, they asked him about pressure and stress. You know, you're in a big event and you got this putt and, you know, are you going to make this putt to win this big tournament or not? And how do you handle all this stress? And he said, that's, that's not pressure. He said, pressure is having a $5 putt with only $2 in your pocket. So, you know, it, to me, if, if my income is covered and if I know I'm going to eat and my family's going to be taken care of, I mean, those are my biggest stresses for most people is how am I going to pay my bills? How am I going to get by? And, and I've been in the, that boat too in life. Uh, and that's, that's no fun. So I don't know. I just, you know, every job has things that suck. I mean, right now in Texas, we're having this crazy heat wave and it's going to be 106 today. And there's people out roofing houses and doing manual labor in the heat. And I mean, that's way worse than me sitting in my air conditioned office. So I, I, you know, there's things that stink about every job, but I, I don't really feel like it's all that stressful, even though there's people that, are difficult to deal with. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, I was a pro state litigant, and I thought it was, sometimes I thought it was stressful, sometimes I didn't. You know, um, I've been to Superior Court a number of times, and whenever I argued, I, I don't know, I mean, I, I would get, I don't know what's the word, just really stressed out. Oh, yeah. And, <laughs> and I would actually take my shoes off because my feet would sweat. <laughs> So I'd be at the podium in my bare feet and the the opposing attorney would be looking at my feet. I don't know. But I mean, I was just so glad to get out of there. But I mean, but, you know, in the lower court, it was like no problem arguing. I just was like, it was not stressful at all. I don't know why that is. Why some areas are and some aren't. Right. And there's, there's always going to be some jitters, you know, even when you've done this lots and lots of times, especially if it's a big case or there's a lot at stake, you're going to be nervous, but I don't, you know, some attorneys deal with that by they go home and drink and smoke weed, whatever. And I I don't do any of that. And I don't feel like, I mean, I feel like I have a decent enough balance where I can go home and put all that away. Mm -hmm. Well, that's good. Um, because one of my attorneys, he was actually my age, um, he had dropped out of a heart attack a couple of years ago. Uh, yeah, I mean, I saw him instantly age before my eyes. Yeah. And um, he wasn't my attorney at the time because I had had it with him. And that's when I went pro se. <laughs> oh. Uh, but uh, yeah, it was just really weird. Um, it's, he was more family court, but these things happen, you know, when you're under so much stress. Right. Yeah. Some people just can't, they can't let go of it. And and there definitely are times where I'll just be at home lying in bed at night thinking, Oh, I'm so mad at so-and-so for what they said or <clears throat> whatever. I mean, it does happen, but uh, some people can't really deal with it as well. And, and the other thing I guess is just the stress of, the hours or whatever if people are commuting to the big downtown office and they're having to just eat you know junk and drink coffee on the way to keep themselves going i mean their lifestyle is not as healthy 
um, which is one reason I like a, a smaller town where my commute's a little easier and um, I can get home and go to the gym at night and things like that. I mean, it, that's a real important thing for balance for me. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, that's good because, you know, you have to take care of yourself and self-care. I mean, you know, um, you just have to have a good balanced diet, <laughs> you yeah. know. Right. So, um, is there anything else you'd like to add? I don't want to suck up your whole day. <laughs> oh, no, I'm fine. I'm, you know, Fridays are usually not in court. So uh, this is a good day for me anyway. Oh, well, that's good. Well, I'm glad I, I had you on and because um, I'd like to have you back on again. I was just talking to someone that <clears throat> they were saying that this this could come around again, you know, like another mask mandate. I heard that right. like in, in the fall, this could all happen all over again. I don't right. know if that's what you're hearing too. Well, I, you know, I've heard that. I just, um, I, I, I think that there's going to be surely more resistance this time. People are like, okay, you fooled me the first time. Not that, you know, the whole thing is a hoax. I mean, there were obviously people who got COVID and died and were really sick, but, you know, the the remedy was to me a hoax. In other words, oh, if we just shut down and don't do anything for the next six months, then we'll save all these lives. And that, that just, the data is not consistent with that. Um, so hopefully people have kind of wised up a little bit. And I just think that the the tyrants are going to maybe go in a different direction. And I don't know what exactly that's going to be. I do think there will be more viruses and more mm-hmm. medical threats. And that may lead to, you know, social credit scores and whatever. You got to prove yourself that you're healthy enough to, you know, fly on an airplane or public transport or whatever. Basically what we're seeing in Canada and New Zealand, Australia, and some of these places now uh, to a greater extent than the, in the U.S. even. Um, so I think that's maybe the next frontier to watch out for is, you know, what, what vaccines or what anything that we have to do to prove that we can comply with their system. I mean, that's really the next frontier that, that worries me, maybe more than mandates or mask mandates or lockdowns. Mm-hmm. Most definitely. Uh, you know, if anyone wants to reach you, how can they contact you? Uh, well, if they can call my office number if they want, uh, which I'll give that to you. It's 817-579-3216. Or on Facebook, I have a, a well, it's an office page. And uh, the office page is just Matt Mills, Hood County Attorney. And so you can send a message on there. I'll get back to you through there if you want. Well, I appreciate you coming on the show. Um, it's great having you on. Yeah, it's been it's been a, an enjoyment for me too to reach out to you. And uh, I think we have some sort of a Pittsburgh connection, right? Yes, most definitely. Yes, I'm right by the airport. <laughs> oh, okay. Yeah, so the southwest side of Pittsburgh, right? Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Yeah. I'm 15, okay. Yeah I'm, yeah, I'm 15 minutes from downtown Pittsburgh. Okay. Yeah, yeah, I haven't been back to Pittsburgh in quite a while, but I'm hoping to get back there at some point, so. Oh, cool. 
Cool. Well, hey, uh, don't jump off. Slam the Gavels of the podcast to help the public understand what really goes on in these family courtrooms. I'm your host, Marianne Petrie, author of Dismantling Family Court Corruption, Why Taking the Kids Was Not Enough, and Cry Out for Justice, Poems of Truth. Please join us again here with County Attorney Matt Mills in the future and other exciting guests. Thank you again, Attorney Mills. Thank you. All right. Thank you.